0: You are listening to a podcast of the Christian Counseling and Educational Foundation. CCEF is committed to restoring Christ to counseling and counseling to the church. You can find our podcasts, books, articles, videos, and many more resources for Christ-centered pastoral care at our website, ccef.org. Welcome to CCEF On The Go. I am your host, Alistair Groves. I am a faculty member at CCEF, and I'm sitting here again with my New England colleague, Robin Huck. Robin, how are you? Doing well. How about you? I'm doing pretty good. Yeah, It's been a, it's been a good week, which is always nice. Always nice. Um, let me throw you a question that was actually specifically posed uh, to you by someone who's taken some classes and actually I know has had the chance to observe some counseling you've done. Um, and I love the question and haven't also had the chance to observe some, some counseling you've done. I, I have a sense of, of why this person asked the question. Um, the question goes like this, Robin, you, and I think for many of us at CCF, uh, there's, there's two things you do that both seem good and both seem important they seem totally contradictory to each other. So how are we supposed to do this or think about this? Why do you do it this way? Thing number one, you, um, you let things unfold in the counseling room. You allow people to um, speak when they're angry or upset. And, uh, you know, you don't just shut somebody down the moment they start to get a little bit out of hands uh, in one way or another in the, in the session. On the flip side you really want your counseling room and you make your counseling room a place where we actually put into practice the good things, the, a life of righteousness and um, Ephesians 4, 29 speaking truth that is meant to build up. And uh, so you want your counseling room to be a place where good things are actually practiced and are happening. And at the same time where there is this exposure of like, okay, this is how it really is. This is who I really am. This is how it really comes out when I get going. And, uh, and I know this is most complicated, as, as you have said, um, in marriage counseling. And But it's, a, it's true for individuals, it's true in marriages, kind of gets its most difficult context in marriage counseling. How do you think about balancing those? Why do you value those? Um, how have you thought about this?
1: It is a good question. Um, I think the question is more complicated than... What actually happens, though? I <laughs> to, to be honest, um, because we do in the counseling room. We have, we always have, many goals. We're we we're kind of juggling goals, um, and the first the first goal we have when we first meet somebody is to really get to know them. It, uh, because if we don't know them well, um, we won't have the relational traction we need to be heard. They won't they won't Trust us to know them and their situation, their uniqueness, because we have to speak to unique individuals in unique circumstances. Right. Otherwise, if people
0: they, generic stuff you know, it shows that you haven't heard. You don't know exactly what they
1: need. Right, right. So, so the reason we want people to be honest about how they feel, and and I do let people. Uh, be a little bit more expressive about their emotions, with their emotions, um, than some people would be comfortable with, I think. Um, because I want, I want my counselor to know that I, I really get it. I really do understand the depth of what they're feeling. And, and you know I, in some way, I almost experience it with them as they display their emotions. So I don't want to shut that down quickly. I want them to to recognize that I I, yeah. I hear them, um, but I'm also thinking, gives
0: you material that's very good when you can say like okay, you know I I know what this is like I've seen it I've heard the words I see how it goes I I am not speaking to you told me that sometimes you get upset it's I I've, I've sat here with you yes. you've been upset at me even perhaps yes. um, and okay like I have a sense of how to enter into that. Um, as well as having helped you see, okay, you know something about me here. You've seen me in those moments. Right,
1: and frankly, in marriage counseling, to actually witness a couple fighting is a very helpful thing. It's very uncomfortable, but it's very helpful to see how their demeanor changes, um, whether one takes a more aggressive stance, whatever it is. You do understand them better when you've witnessed that,
0: and you also know that whatever you're seeing in the room is, you know, mm. probably ten, twenty percent of how bad it can get when they're not in the room.
1: Exactly. Yeah, and you know it gets worse yeah. than that. Yeah.
0: yeah. And I, I actually, I've often said that to people, like, look, I okay, that was what just what I just saw here, like, that, that was hard. <laughs> I can tell that, like, that was that was really tough on both of you, um, but I also know that like it can get worse than this. You know, I, I've seen, I. I appreciate this window into how things go when you guys get rolling down the hill the wrong way. Um, but I'm aware, you know
1: And you know what that's a that that can be a good a good opening to helping them uh, settle down is to, to say this has been hard, I have witnessed this, and and as they settle down, say you know, you could say something like, How bad does it get at home? You know, flying objects, broken glass, what, what does it look like at home? and let them describe to you um, actually what has happened. But then it becomes a little less personal. You have actually stepped away from they are fighting against each other to they are describing their fights to you. So that's a step away from the fight itself. Anyway, so you are getting to know this couple in a way, or this individual, either one, in a way that you can tell their story back to them and they agree with it. That's, that's kind of the, the litmus test of whether or not uh, they will say yeah this this counselor really does understand me is when you can tell them their story and they say yeah that's that's what it feels like now I I know that at times I have rushed that that stage a little too fast I need to I need to hang in there with them as i'm as I'm listening as I'm with them, because uh, okay I'll, I'll go back to uh, a singular counselee. I want her to know that i I'm, I'm almost I can almost say that I'm in your shoes i can I can imagine what it's like to struggle with what you're struggling with, and the more I can do that, the better I can serve her. the better I can serve her, to actually say. You know, I don't know exactly what it's like to be you. I really don't. But I'm kind of a little bit imagining what it is to walk in your shoes yeah, just by hearing you. Yeah.
0: yeah. Can I, you're, you're beginning to use words like stage and phase and rush through. So is, is the way you balance these two things fundamentally sort of a like this comes first and then a more practice this in the room comes second?
1: Um, a little bit. A little bit. I, I am getting to know a counselee every time that I talk with them. You know, it's it's an ongoing uh, development of a relationship. However, I'm pretty um, transparent as a counselor of letting them know what I think we are working on. So at some so at some level, at some stage, I will say, okay we're actually going to start um, working on this. We are, you're, you're tempted to dive off in this direction. And I, I want to show you how you're, you're jumping into something in your own thoughts before you are launching into this fight or whatever it is. Um, and I want us to ratchet it back and start practice in your own head what it would be it, to actually be an ambassador of Christ in this moment what, how how far off am I yeah. well pretty far off <laughs> <laughs> um, but what what sort of characteristics do I need to start practicing in my thought life before I can actually even display them so that's that's where we're going we're not there yet
0: yeah hey, want to give an example like what, what would, what's something where somebody might practice something and uh, in their thoughts or their behaviors, where you'd be like, in the counseling room is actually a great um, great place for this to happen, or whether it's a generic or...
1: Okay. Um, let's say my counselee has a coworker who is irksome. Uh, and my counselee comes in and just over and over is complaining about this coworker. It seems like everything this coworker does is wrong, um, we could start uh, i you know I, I would say, yeah, it's hard to work in the same you know in the same office with somebody like that, isn't it and um, and try to you know let her know that I understand how tough it is, yeah, sure, um, but then start moving toward what. What is it that you could do that would change this relationship? Or how can you and your actions, or not even your actions, but your thoughts, actually start changing the environment around you? We want to start practicing the thinking, the prayer life, the talking with God, the hashing it out with Him right there, right then, in the counseling room as we start turning from what we're tempted to do, which is grumbling about this coworker, toward where we're trying to go, which would be to see this coworker more the way the Lord does, more the way God would want his ambassador to look on this person. This person is suffering in some ways, as well as making others suffer. Um, But how do we see them as how did you see this person as a real life person with real problems who is acting out in some way um, and and evidently making other people miserable? But
0: yeah. So let me let me uh, let me walk this out for a second and tell me if I'm if I'm hearing this is the thing I'm talking about. So here's what I'm I'm imagining. Okay, this person comes in and and you have spent some time hearing not just about the coworker situation, but about their life in general, and they're here because of very simple heart. But there's one particular coworker who's really a pain in the side, and they um, there's this uh, incident that just happened yesterday or this morning, and they're in your room talking to you, and the the natural role of complaining and grumbling against this person is coming out. And you, it's, at some point, it sounds like what I'm picturing is you actually saying, like, I'm actually going to restrain myself as a counselor for a minute, and I'm going to let some of the grumbling un- unfold here for a minute as they are um, doing this, because I, I want... I want them to know I'm really getting it. I'm not just shutting you down like, hey, stop grumbling and complaining. And actually what I'll do when I insert myself at some point as I'm hearing this grumbling, I'm going to say, hey, you know, like, so this is the thing we've been talking about, though, right? Because, like, here's where your temptation is to see this person purely as a problem in your life rather than, and I'm just making stuff up, but like, you know, rather than here's a chance to see this person as, you know, someone who Christ looks at with compassion and someone whom Christ looks at and says, "Yeah, the things they are doing are not good, and they are causing trouble to people around them. And yet also someone whom he says, like you, Counselor, like me, Counselor, um, they are causing some of their own problems, and they're reaping some of the rewards of people being frustrated by them, including you. And what would it be like right now in this moment right here to actually think about them in a way that helps you feel compassion that doesn't erase the fact that what they're doing is a problem?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Am I in the right ballpark? Absolutely, yep. Okay.
1: Okay. Right on.
0: Okay. So, so really I'm just now thinking out loud for a second, but what I said earlier about, okay, it's two stages. Is that what you're saying? You're saying, no, it's not two stages because there really is this back and forth, even within one conversation where you're trying to balance. I really want you to know that I hear the problem, but I also really want to help you move against the problem, not just in theory, not just, okay, well maybe next time here's what you could do when you're in that situation. You're saying right now, right here in the room, how can you turn your mind, even even just your mind, before we get to actions, even just your mind, your heart, your your thoughts toward this person in a different way. We're gonna do that right here. Am I again, yes. Am I hearing the core of the balance you're trying to strike? You
1: are, and I wouldn't diminish the power of just in your mind, though, because um, I think what God wants us to think about is inside of the cup, outside of the cup, our actions outside of the cup are Observable, but they definitely come from the inside of the cup. They absolutely come from how we think, how we feel, and as we um, we can make or break a relationship simply by how we think about a person. You know, when huh. we're not even with them. Fair. Um, I I want I want married couples to think well about each other when they're not together. You know, I want them to recognize whether they are grumbling in their minds against somebody, co-worker, spouse, anybody. I want them to catch themselves in their thoughts. And so so that's exactly how it goes in the counseling room. We recognize, oh, there it is again. And it's not that we are shutting it down. It's that we are wanting to transform it. We are wanting God to enter in to that moment and wrestle with it recognize this is hard this is this is me saying i am a human being and i am being you know rubbed the wrong way by this person who rubs everybody the wrong way but i actually have a contribution to make and i choose to make a contribution that is for the lord and i don't mean go smack them up the head with the gospel, you know, and or, or just like throw the Bible at them. I mean, being a Christian in that environment, being one who has a, a, a sight on something bigger and better than just grumbling, you know, desiring to love somebody well, love somebody wisely, even as they're being pretty unlovable.
0: I mean, I'm even just thinking, I've certainly sat with folks for whom it can be helpful to, to do something as simple as say, you know, the Bible actually tells us, Philippians 2, do all things without grumbling and complaining. Uh, that is biblical counsel, that is biblical teaching. But for most people, um, at least who self-select and come to a Christian counseling office uh, like like ours, um, the idea that grumbling and complaining is, is wrong and that that's not what the Lord is looking for is already there. They don't need to... Their, their problem is not that they're unaware that grumbling is not a good thing. Their problem is that either they're unaware that they're doing it, or they're unaware that they're doing it, but sort of excusing it, or they're aware that they would really ought to change this pattern and they don't really want to feel this way, but the only mode they feel like they have is to sort of, like, vent about it to other people, and they think venting is going to sort of solve the problem. And, and what you're saying is, I want to help those people not just here do all things without grumbling and complaining. I want that to actually become this powerful moment of sanctification and building of worship, because as I grow, not just in, you know, this isn't about white-knuckling it and keeping my teeth bit on the snarky comment I want to make about my coworker. This is about actually transforming my view to become a view of mercy, a view of compassion, a view of love, constructive love that might even look for opportunities to encourage this person to do things differently and maybe even confront and challenge this person about things they're doing that are harmful. So it's not like, oh, just being namby-pamby nice people. But it's worship. For the Lord, that allows me to look at somebody with the eyes of Christ that says, okay, I want to stop grumbling against this person because my heart toward them is actually different. Not just because the Bible says do this, and so I managed to somehow make 20% fewer comments. And of course, it's right to track and say like, hey, if you're making 20% fewer comments, that's a delightful sign of good heart change we're not satisfied with 20%, but we're delighted that there taking is are taking have taken a step, you've know? taken
1: a step, yeah. Right. So going back to marriage counseling, how do we practice the right thing in marriage counseling? Well, if I hear a couple speaking about how they've angered each other or something like that, and they start at each other aggressively or in a fight mode, I will try to help them to speak with respect, honestly, but can we change this fight into a honest back and forth of feelings and uh, obse- observations and stuff like that? That is moved from "I'm attacking you because you're wrong" to "I want what's best for you," and I want, and one of the things that's best for you. Husband is for you to actually know me and in this circumstance and, and understand my point of view, and and I want what's best for you, and so I will also listen to your response, and your observations and your feelings. So we'll try to move from that. I'm talking to you because I'm upset that you did it. To, you know what, that really did anger me. Uh, when, when this happened, to bring it down into a reasonable conversation um, that is real, is addressing problems, not pretending they're not there, but has a purpose that is good and has, is loving, not a purpose of destruction. So that would be practicing the right thing, is speaking the truth in love, not throwing the truth as a dagger in order to take down the other side.
0: Well, that seems like a lovely place for us lovely to move this. Uh, that is indeed an admirable and uh, challenging but, but real goal for us to have in our own marriages and our marriage counseling and in all relationships. So thanks, Robin. I appreciate the conversation.
1: Thank you, Alistair.
0: We like to include a resource for further engagement, study, listening, enjoyment, whenever we do a podcast. And today, um, we're thinking that in light of thinking about, okay, how do you sit and listen to people? How do you get into the depths and the realities of their struggle and provide space to get to know them and really understand them? Uh, That one thing you might find helpful is something further on how to listen well. So we want to think more about not just hearing words, but being personally affected and responsively engaged when we're sitting and talking to another person. Along those lines, the extra resource for this week is a conference talk by Ed Welch entitled Slowing Things Down how to Listen Well. It's from our 2013 National Conference. And you can find that on our webpage, which is ccef.org slash podcast. And that will be free until our next episode goes up. Uh, just go to check out and enter in the uh, coupon code podcast. Uh, One other administrative detail. Uh, You know this already if you've listened to the podcast much before and made it this deep into the podcast. But we do love to hear from you if you have ideas for our podcast or thoughts or questions. Uh, Those have impacted us at various points as we've done uh, shows. We've got got many more we'd like to to get through. But, um, yeah, email us anytime. Podcast at ccef.org. Interested to get your perspective and your feedback. Thanks so much, and until next time, blessings.